0: Chapter Six of The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Wanderer, or Female Difficulties, by Fanny Burney. Chapter Six. The affairs of Mrs. Maple kept her a week longer in London, but the impatience of the wanderer to reach Brightholmston was compelled to yield to an utter inability of getting thither unaided. During this period she gathered from various circumstances that Eleanor had been upon the point of marriage with the younger brother of Harley, a handsome and flourishing lawyer, but that repeated colds, ill-treated or neglected, had menaced her with a consumption, and she had been advised to try a change of climate. Mrs. Maple accompanied her to the south of France where she had resided till her health was completely re-established harley then in compliment to his brother who was confined by his profession to the capital crossed the channel to attend the two ladies home they had already arrived at blank on their return when an order of robespierre cast them into prison whence enormous bribes, successful stratagems, and humane though concealed assistance from some compassionate inhabitants of the town, enabled them, in common with the Admiral, the Iretons, and Riley, to effect their escape to a prepared boat, in which, through the friendly darkness of night, they reached the harbour of their country and their wishes. The stranger learnt also from Eleanor, by whom secrecy or discretion were as carelessly set aside as by herself they were fearfully practised, that young Ireton, urged by a rich old uncle, and an entailed estate, to an early marriage, after addressing and jilting half the women of England, Scotland, and Ireland, had run through France, Switzerland, and Italy upon the same errand, yet was returned home heart-whole and hand-unshackled. But that, she added, was not the extraordinary part of the business, male coquettes being just as common, and only more impertinent than female. All that was worth remarking was his conduct for the last few days. Some accounts, which he had to settle with her aunt, had obliged him to call at their house the morning after their arrival in London. He then saw Selina, Eleanor's younger sister, a wild little girl only fourteen years of age, who was wholly unformed, but with whom he had become so desperately enamoured, that when Mrs. Maple, knowing his character and alarmed by his assiduities, cautioned him not to make a fool of her young niece, he abruptly demanded her in marriage. As he was very rich, Mrs. Maple had, of course, Eleanor added given her consent desiring only that he would wait till selina reached her fifteenth birthday and the little girl when told of the plan had considered it as a frolic and danced with delight during this interval the time of the stranger was spent in the tranquil employment of needlework for which she was liberally supplied with cast-off materials to relieve her necessities from the wardrobe of Eleanor, through whose powerful influence she was permitted to reside entirely upstairs here she saw only her protectress into whose apartment Mrs. Maple did not deign, and no one else dared, to intrude unbidden. The spirit of contradiction, which was termed by Elinor the love of independence, fixed her design of supporting the stranger, to whom she delighted to do every good office, which Mrs. Maple deemed superfluous, and whom she exulted in thus exclusively possessing as a hidden curiosity. But when she found that no enquiry produced any communication, and that nothing fresh offered for new defiance to Mrs. Maple, a total indifference to the whole business took place of its first energy, and the young woman, towards the end of the week, fell into such neglect that it was never mentioned, and hardly even remembered, that she was an inhabitant of the house. When the morning, most anxiously desired by herself, for the journey to Lewes arrived, she heard the family engaged in preparations to set off, yet received no intimation how she was to make one of the party. With great discomfort, though with tolerable patience, she awaited some tidings, till the sound of carriages driving up to the street-door alarmed her with apprehensions of being deserted, and hastily running downstairs she was drawn by the voice of Eleanor to the door of the breakfast-parlour, but the sound of other voices took from her the courage to open it, though the baggage collected around her showed the journey so near that she deemed it unsafe to return to her chamber. In a few minutes Harley, loaded with large drawings, crossed the hall, and, observing her distress, inquired into its cause. She wished to speak to Miss Jodrell he entered the parlor and sent out Eleanor, who exclaiming oh it's you is it mercy on me i'd quite forgotten you ran back crying aunt here's your old friend the grim french voyager shall she come in come in what for miss Jodrell? because mr harley was so kind as to make a hoy of my boat does it follow that you are to make a booth of my parlor she's at the door said harley in a low voice then she is at her proper place where else should such a sort of body be harley took up a book oh but do let her come in aunt uh, do let her come in cried the young selina i was so provoked at not seeing her the other day that i could have cried with pleasure and sister Eleanor has kept her shut up ever since and refused me the least little peep at her the opposition of mrs maple only the more strongly excited the curiosity of selina who encouraged by the clamorous approbation of Eleanor, flew to the door there, stopping short, she called out, La, there's nothing but a young woman. La, aunt, I'm afraid she's run away. And if she is, niece, we shall not break our hearts. I hoped not, but if she's decamped, it's high time I should inquire whether all is safe in the house. Decamped? cried Eleanor. Why, she's at the door. Don't you know her, aunt? Don't you see her, Ireton? The stranger, abashed, would have retreated. Harley, raising his eyes from his book, shook his head at Eleanor who, laughing and regardless, seized the hand of the young person and dragged her into the parlor. "'Who is this?' said Mrs. Marple. "'Who, aunt? Why, your memory is shorter than ever. Don't you recollect our dingy French companion that you took such a mighty fancy to?' Mrs. Maple turned away with angry contempt, and the housekeeper, who had been summoned, appearing, orders were given for a strict examination whether the swarthy traveller, who followed them from France, were gone." The stranger, changing color, approached Eleanor and with an air that claimed her protection said, "'Will you not, madam, have the goodness to explain who I am?' "'How can I?' cried Eleanor, laughing, "'when I don't know it myself!' Everyone stared. Harley turned round. The young woman blushed, but was silent. "'If here is another of your incognitas, Miss Jodrell,' said Mrs. Maple, "'I must beg the favor that you'll desire her to march off at once. I DON'T CHOOSE TO BE BESET BY SUCH SORT OF GENTRY QUITE SO FREQUENTLY. PRAY, YOUNG WOMAN, WHAT IS IT YOU WANT HERE?" "'Protection, madam, and compassion,' replied the stranger, in a tone of supplication. "'I protest,' said Mrs. Maple. "'She has just the same sort of voice that the black girl had, and the same sort of can't. And pray, young woman, what's your name?' "'That's right, Mrs. Maple, that's right,' cried Ireton. "'Make her tell her name.' "'To be sure I shall,' said Mrs. Maple, seating herself on a sofa and taking out her snuff-box, "'I have a great right to know the name of a person that comes in this manner into my parlour. Why do you not answer, young woman?' The stranger, looking at Eleanor, clasped her hands in an act of entreaty for pity. "'Very fine, truly,' said Mrs. Marple. "'So here's the second edition of the history of that Frenchified swindler.' "'No, no, aunt, it's only the sequel to the first part, for it's the same person, I assure you. Did you not come over with us from France, mademoiselle, in the same boat, and with the same surly pilot?' The stranger silently assented. Mrs. Maple, now doubly enraged, interrogated her upon the motives of her having been so disfigured, with the sternness and sharpness of addressing a convicted cheat. The stranger, compelled to speak, said, with an air of extreme embarrassment, i am conscious madam how dreadfully all appearances are against me yet i have no means with any prudence to enter into an explanation i dare not therefore solicit your good opinion though my distress is so urgent that i am forced to sue for your assistance i ought perhaps to say your charity i don't want said mrs maple to hear all that sort of stuff over again let me only know who you are and i shall myself be the best judge what should be done for you what is it then once for all that you call yourself no prevarications tell me your name or go about your business yes your name your name repeated eleanor your name your name echoed selina your name your name re-echoed ireton the spirits and the courage of the stranger seemed now to forsake her and with faltering voice she answered alas i hardly know it myself eleanor laughed selina tittered ireton stared the leaves of the book held by Harley, were turned over with a speed that showed how little their contents engaged him. And Mrs. Maple, indignantly swelling, exclaimed, "'Not know your name! Why, I hope you don't come into my house from the foundling hospital!' Harley, throwing down his book, walked hastily to Mrs. Marple, and said in a low voice, "'Yet, if that should be the case, would she be less an object of compassion, of consideration?' "'What your notions may be upon such sort of heinous subjects, Mr. Harley,' Mrs. Maple answered, with a look of high superiority, "'I do not know, but as for mine, I think encouraging things of that kind has a very immoral tendency.'" Harley bowed, not as acquiescent in her opinion, but as declining to argue it, and was leaving the room when Eleanor, catching him by the arm, called out, "'Why, Harley, what are you so sour for?' are you also angry to see a clean face and a clean gown? I'll make the demoiselle put on her plasters and patches again if that will please you better. This forced him to smile and to stay, and Eleanor then ended the inquisition by proposing that the stranger should go to Luz in the chaise with Golding, her own maid, and Fenn, Mrs. Maple's housekeeper. Mrs. Maple protested that she would not allow any such indulgence to an unknown pauper, and Mrs. Fenn declared that there were so many hats, caps, and things of consequence to take care of that it would be impossible to make room for a mouse. Eleanor, ever alert to carry a disputed point, felt her generosity doubly excited to support the stranger, and after some further but overpowered opposition from Mrs. Maple, the hats, caps, and things of consequence were forced to submit to inferior accommodation, and the young woman obtained her request to set off for Sussex with the housekeeper and Eleanor's maid. End of chapter 6